Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Season 5, Episode 111, recorded Monday, May 15th, 2023. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. I hope that you're all doing well as we make our way through May and kick up our diving season. I also hope that all the moms out there had a fantastic Mother's Day. Now, we're preparing for our first open water certification dives of the season this upcoming weekend as we make our way up to Jamestown, Rhode Island. Our first open water dives are also the time that we finish up our Dive Master program, and we're really looking forward to having our four new professionals joining the Paddy Dive Master ranks. So Donna and I are going to be heading down to Grand Cayman for our Memorial Day trip, and we're going to be spending five days at Sunset House. You know about you know how I feel about Sunset House. I just can't wait for that. We will actually be down there when the next episode of Scuba Shack Radio was set to, to uh, go on. So once again, I'm going to be adjusting the schedule, and I'm going to come to you a week early. Episode 112 will be recorded next Monday. We decided to make this trip down there this time, and we're going to be celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary at one of our all-time favorite dive spots. On today's show, I'm going to be doing another installment of Sea Hunt, It's Still Alive, and we're heading back to Season 3 when we look at cross currents. But up first is Wet Notes, my news information, and commentary segment. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, May 15th, 2023. First up today is some disappointing news regarding sea urchins. Now there's a new die-off of the Diadema antelarum in the Caribbean. It seems that this latest die-off, reminiscent of the die-off that occurred in the 1980s, started in February in the Virgin Islands and has since spread as far west as Jamaica. Now, sea urchins are known as the gardeners of the sea or the billy goats of the sea because they eat the microalgae that choke corals. Plus, the corals provide a hiding place for the urchins from the predators. In the past, they tried to do the same thing with them as they do with the coral nurseries, but they didn't have any real success. The fish tended to eat the sea urchins right away. But the University of Miami has had some recent success in raising sea urchins and getting them back on the reef. In one study, they planted 200 urchins out there, and after about three months, they saw a 30% decrease in the algae on the reef, and 40 of the 200 urchins remained. They continue to work on ways to get them to stay and clean the reef. 
Right now, scientists aren't really sure what is causing the die-off, but one theory is related to warmer water temperatures. The Diadema Response Network has been set up across the Caribbean to track and collect samples and hopefully foster a solution. Last week, we received an announcement from Shearwater Research about a new edition of their Peregrine, the recreational dive computer. They have released two new versions that they are calling the Peregrine Adventure Edition. So what is different? Color. They have two different Adventure Editions. There is the white Adventure Light and the steel gray Adventure Dark. The light comes with a white case and strap and a teal strap retainers. The dark, as you might guess, has a steel gray case and strap, and the strap retainers are orange for the accent color. Now, they also come with color shock cord for the use with a dry suit. The light has a teal uh, shock cord, and the dark comes with an orange cord. And here's another feature. The logo flash when uh, on the side of the uh, Peregrine has been transformed to white. The retail price for the Peregrine Adventure Edition is $550 US. Now if you want to add a little flair to your diving, then check out the new Shearwater Peregrine Adventure Edition computers. I get these periodic updates from the Reef Environmental Educational Foundation called Making Account and they provide information and updates on what's going on at Reef. And in their latest edition, they previewed an upcoming webinar that they are conducting on May 24th. This is part of their Oceans for All series webinars, and it's titled Exploring Divers' Experience in Marine Conservation. Now, that sounds like a good one. This diverse panel includes Allison Payne, a Ph.D. student at Belton Beltran Lab University of California, uh, Santa Cruz, Chun Wright, the owner of the law offices of Chun T. White out of uh, Washington, D.C., and she's also a Reef Board uh, of Trustees member, Andrea Williams, Vice President of the National Association of Black Scuba Divers, and Rosemary Ciotti, co-founder of Barrier Free Diving, and Leslie Nguyen, a marine biologist at the Aquarium of the Pacific in Long Beach, California. Now, this webinar is at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on May 24th, 2023, and you can register on the Reef website under their Fish in R section. Now, I'm going to be in Grand Cayman at this time, so I'm hoping that I'll be able to catch the recording. That's the Oceans for All, Exploring Divers' ex- uh, Experience in Marine Conservation on May 24th, 2023 at 8 p.m. The Journal of Diving History's second quarter 2023 edition is out, and it's packed with information about the history of our passion. The cover story is about Phil Widoff and the full face mask that he developed. Now, I want to focus on one particular element that is relevant uh, to today. You see, the Historical Diving Society just conducted their first HDS Explorer mission in Key Largo, and that was on May 8th to the 12th, 2023. I mentioned that before here on Wet Notes. Now, in this latest edition, John Council penned an article on what inspired this first mission. The inspiration came from the 1995 Scott Carpenter Man in the Sea program. Now, that was 30 years after Sea Lab 2. 
Way back in episode 24 of Scooby Shack Radio, I did a segment on Scott Carpenter. This article that John Council penned um, summarizes the C-Lab missions, and then he tells us a little bit about the 1995 MITS program and sets the stage for HDS's Explorer Mission 1. I'm looking forward to that report on the mission. Hopefully it'll be in the third or fourth quarter edition of the Journal of Diving History. And while I'm on the subject of magazines, the Scuba Diving Magazine Liveaboard issue is now available. Scuba Diving Magazine is the official publication of the Paddy Club. Now, this is timely for me. Donna and I are scheduled to do our very first Liveaboard later this summer. We're heading to the Sea of Cortez on board the Rocio del Mar, and I'm excited about that. They have a summary of a number of different operators and locations, along with various stories. There's also a detailed section on dive bags, and I was pleased to see that our top pick, the Osprey Shuttle 36, was also Scuba Lab's tester's choice for 2023. And as for the Acona, and it was also the Acona Urine DX Mesh Backpack. That's one that we really like as well. Remember, you'll get the Scuba Diving Magazine as part of your Paddy Club membership, and if you're thinking about your first liveaboard like we are, you're definitely going to want to check this one out. And now for some commentary. Several weeks ago, I talked about how one of our local dive shops here in New England was closing down. The retail side of their business of scuba diving has so many challenges, and these challenges are coming from the very manufacturers that are vying for our business as dealers for their products. I want to give you an example of how challenging this is for small businesses like Scuba Shack. I'm not going to single out a specific vendor by name, but we'll give the details here. So a few days ago, we received a message from one of our suppliers, and it indicated that there was a spring special going on for us. If we purchased a regulator system, that's the first stage and primary second stage, at our cost, we would get the Octo at a very deep discounted rate. Seems like a good deal, right? Well, guess what? This manufacturer also sells direct, and if the customer brought the same regulator online, they would get the Octo for free. I'm still trying to figure that one out. How do we compete? Do I have to offer the Octo for free as well while I'm paying for it? Oh, and by the way, the Octo that is being offered for free has been backordered for me for about six weeks now. I have a first and second stage with no Octo sitting in the shop. Now, if a diver buys one of these regulators online, what do they get? Do they get the regulator fully configured and bench tested before they use it? No, they get the regulator in a box and the sale is final. Look, we take pride in delivering a fully configured and tested regulator to our customers. This is also true for all of the gear we sell. We ensure it is fitted and functioning properly, and more importantly, educate our customers on the products they are buying. My commentary here is to let you know about the challenge that your local dive shops are facing, and with the hope that you will continue to see the value and support them, lest we become extinct. So that wraps up this installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio.
time for another installment of Sea Hunt. It's still alive here on Scooby Shack Radio. And this time, we're going back to Season 3, Episode 19, titled Cross Current. Cross Current premiered on May 14, 1960. Now, in this opening scene, we see Mike diving off the coast of Florida, weightless, being pushed along by a strong current. He is researching the current, and he's using a dye and drift meter to measure it. He has found an offshoot of the Gulf Stream veering west. It picks up in power and starts knocking Mike around, and he's spinning around. He's smart. He doesn't fight it. He finally gets clear, and when he gets topside, he can't wait to radio telephone Sherry Bishop, a researcher in the Caribbean, about his find. We then see Sherry running up the beach to her tent outpost to take Mike's call. Before Mike can tell her about his find, she asks Mike to come down. She too has found something. But what it is, we don't know. She doesn't have anyone to dive with and needs Mike's help. Mike picks up a paper schedule and tells her he can be down there on Monday, three days from now. That will be fine with Sherry because she's all tied up until then. Mike asks her, with whom? Sherry tells Mike that her friend, Fran Parmalee, will be available to meet him if she's out working. It's perfect flying weather as Mike makes his way south, and he will meet up with the prettiest scientist in the Caribbean. His sixth sense, however, tells him there is trouble ahead as he walks down the beach carrying his doubles in one hand. As he reaches the tent, out rushes Fran along with the local policeman, Lieutenant Campos, and his sidekick, Jose. Fran tells Mike that Sherry has been missing for three days. Gone. No motorboat. Nothing. They've searched for her, but have not found her. Lieutenant Campos believes she is dead. Fran and Mike aren't going to give up. After the police leave, they both go inside the tent to try to figure out what Sherry was working on. Mike rifles through the charts and finds one with squiggles representing a current. He then gets her notebook for more details. There's a current that's a half a mile offshore and it runs north for about four miles. Sherry's dive gear is gone. She's out there tracking the current. Mike and Fran want to search, but they need Lieutenant Campos's police launch. In the next scene, the launch is underway to the spot of the current. Mike gears up and giant strides in. With his die marker, he finds the current, and now it's time to track it topside. Back on board, Mike rigs, rigs up a marker and tells us how it is at neutral depth riding the current. They will follow the float. As they navigate using the bu- buoy ball, there's no sign of Sherry or her boat. Campos says, it's a hopeless mission. Then suddenly, the float stops. Mike needs to head down to investigate. As he enters the water, Lieutenant Campos tells him, Remember, down there, we cannot help you. Mike heads down, and and as he follows the line down, he quickly finds why the float is stopped. There is an underwater grotto, and the line is snagged on the entrance. He decides to enter carefully, but the current is too strong. 
He is tossed, turned, crashing into the bottom. He has to ride it out and hope the current subsides. Fortunately, he is finally clear, but now he is miles from the launch. And as he surfaces, the only thing in sight is a tiny island. So Mike heads to the island, comes ashore, and starts calling out Sherry's name. We now see Sherry passed out among the boulders on the beach. Mike spots her. Thank God she's alive. As he tries to move her, she cries out in pain. It's a broken arm. He has to find some wood to make a splint. As he finishes up, he scolds her. You never learn. You always have to do things yourself. After three days, she is weak, hungry, and thirsty. There's only one way to solve this, the ocean. So Mike fashions a spear from a stick and a knife and heads back underwater. He dives down and starts feeling groggy and notices the fish moving in a southerly direction, opposite from the previous current. At depth, the current reverses itself. He spears a fish and returns to Sherry. After she eats the fish, she feels better and wants to leave, but Mike wants her to rest. He tells her to breathe deep, close her eyes, and, like being hypnotized, she drifts off. Mike now decides he will leave and go get help, but Sherry wakes up and confronts him on the beach. She wants to go too, broken arm, low gas, and all. She won't take no for an answer, so he decides you win, and he takes her on the reverse current swim back to where Fran and Campos may be waiting. Sherry is no help with a broken arm. He must drag her along underwater, and it's cold at the deeper depth, but they find the southerly current. But is it too late? The scene shifts to the police launch, and Lieutenant Campos is weighing anchor and heading for port. Slowly, they are making their way upward, trying to stretch Sherry's air. Too late. She is out of gas, and now they must buddy breathe. They have to ascend at any minute, and just then he spots the tow line from the buoy ball. They made it, and they made it to the surface, but there's no boat. Sherry is panicking and tells Mike to swim ashore. She can't make it. He tells her that she never gives up, and it's not like her. Sherry is convinced Campos isn't coming back. Then, suddenly, Mike spots the boat coming back. Sherry doesn't believe him, but it's true. They are saved. As they make their way back on the boat, Lieutenant Campos tells Mike that he wasn't coming back to search for Sherry's body. He came back to look for Mike's body. Mike responds by giving him a little shove and a sly smile. Now, Cross Currents was remade in the 1987 version of Sea Hunt starring Ron Ely. It was titled Jennifer's Rescue. Once again, I'm still trying to get my hands on that 1987 series. But for now, the original Sea Hunt is still alive here on Scuba Shack Radio. Mike Nelson just can't say no to helping out the women divers that he knows. And he always seems to have to save them. 
That's the way it was, I guess, back in the late 1950s and early 1960s. So this wraps up episode 111 of Scuba Shack Radio. And I want to once again thank you all for listening. And I'll be back next week with more as we head towards Memorial Day and the official start of summer 2023. Bye for now. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast supporting our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.